monsters under the bed and monsters in your head. We have kind of been loosely talking about dealing with mental health, to be honest. We've been loosely talking, because I'm not a psychologist or a counsellor or a psychiatrist, but, you know, we've been loosely talking about dealing with mental health, stress, anxiety, depression, all those things that cause people to stay awake at night when the monsters creep out from under your bed and start rubbing your shoulders and saying, hey, don't forget, we're still living here. We drew a parallel for those We've drew a parallel for those things that steal our sleep and steal our peace and the fear the Israelites faced when walking into the promised land. We said, are you ready? Problems will come. If you have a heartbeat, we guarantee one thing for certain, problems will come. However, we can start to learn to look through the lens of faith, hope. And when you do that, when you start to see the same problem through the lens of faith and hope, your problems seem to get smaller, your God seems to get bigger. And I think some of you, you know, we need to turn the, the uh, what's that thing you look through, you know, that you look up to? What's that thing? The telescope? Some of you need to turn the telescope around. Some of you have ginormous problems and a tiny God who's right out there somewhere and you just need to turn the telescope around. Because when you turn it around, you see the problems as being very insignificant and God as being close and present help in the time of need. So I want to talk about that. Faith is not pretending that problems aren't real. Faith acknowledges the facts but realises they are subject to a greater power. We need to be a people who have eyes of faith and not fear. So how do we get this? Are you ready? Quick recap. Week number one. Week number one. I'm just going to say week number one a few times. Thank you. <laughs> week number one. Faith comes from the things you focus on. Romans 10:17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What you focus on grows. Week number two, are you ready? We said, first of all, week number one, we said to develop that sort of faith, you need to keep focusing on the things of God. What is God saying to you? Not what does the doctor's report say? Not what does your bank account say? Not what does your boss say? What is God saying to you in this season? That is perfect. Right, week number two, we said faith comes when we remember who God is and we remember what God has done. And we focus on what God has done. We focus on what God has done. David said he helped me kill the lion. He helped me kill the bear. And now this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. When we focus on past victories, it gives us, it gives us hope and faith for present solutions to appear. Are you good with that? And we said, the second way we said you get it is by actually asking for it. By actually coming to God and saying, God, I can't see things the way you see them. Help me to see differently in Jesus' name. Amen. That was week number two. I've got a question for you. Who was here last week? Who was here the week before? Fantastic. Who started? The praise jar. Good. Who started the gratitude jar? Good. Great. Okay. It's different. Who's had an opportunity this week to look at the positive instead of the negative? That's good. That's encouraging. Who was more aware this week of how often they look at negative? It's true, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, that sometimes the key to growth and the key to change is actually becoming aware that you do it. So if you came last week, look, look, if I'm being honest, I'm a little discouraged that only one person, she's my daughter, came up with a praise jar afterwards, but, you know, it's surviving, it's survivable, I'll make it, it's fine. 
<laughs> and it was in Connect, it was in the Connect group, so you got the whole young adults group to start up with, so pretty much all the young adults, let's do this one more time. Hey, who started a praise jar last week? Yeah, all the young adults put their hand, all right, come on. Remember, looking at the positive, looking at the positive takes practice. Practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. What are you looking at? consistently will take place and take root in your heart and begin to grow. If you have a testimony of what God's been doing, please, please scan in on your QR code, put in a prayer or praise report and go from there. All right, are you ready? Week three, here we go. If anybody knows me really well, they know I love the beach. If you've been on my Facebook or my Instagram story, you love sunrises, sunsets, but especially anywhere with water. And if you go to the beach, you go, okay, there's, there's a couple of places that I love. The place that I love the most is out past the breakers. Out past the breakers where the swell just gently rises and falls. It is the most tranquil, peaceful place I can imagine being. And I can sit there in clear water going up and down. It's like all your problems and your stresses just roll away. Who's ever experienced that? Yep, see, that's my favourite place to be. But I always notice that when I'm with somebody who's inexperienced or timid or scared or frightened or anxious or stressed or worried about the beach in any way, they don't go out to that place, do they? In fact, they stand in the water and then they move out a little bit because they get a little bit bolder. And between them and me is the waves. Between where they are and where I am is the breakers. And if you know anything about the water, you know that that place is actually the most turbulent, the most troublesome. It's where the waves keep crashing. And when I grew up, when I had my beautiful wife with me for 20 years, and I would call her out, I'd be like, Bub, come on out here. It's fantastic. But she could never see beyond the breakers. She would get so far, she would be pummeled by the waves, and she could never see beyond the breakers. And I remember one time she came out with Rachel. Rachel was really young. And I'm like, come out here, come out here. And she's coming out and she's holding Rachel and she's got a little eyes and a heart pitter-patters because she loves her husband and she trusts him emphatically. And she's coming towards and all of a sudden her eyes grow real big and she's really get that fear face coming on. You know the fear face? And she gets that fear face. And I turn around and behind me is this massive swell starting to come through. And Elise turns back holding little Rachel and starts heading to the shore. And I make that decision real quick. There is no way she is going to make it from me to the shore in time. So I jump forward a couple of meters. I grab Rachel and I say, no, 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 we're going this way. And we push out through the swell as it comes. We dive under. We come up the other side. We're still in the tranquil, peaceful place. And we're laughing and giggling as my wife gets pummeled. Who thinks that's funny? (laughs) But here's the thing. Between where you are and where God's calling you to be will always be the breakers, will always be the waves. Can I say it like this? Will always be the giants. Those things between where you are and where God's calling you, where the peace is, where the rest is, is always going to be there. And what so many people miss is that to get from here to there, they've got to push past the breakers. They've got to push past the giants. And if all you ever do is stick here and never get the confidence to dive, never get the confidence to push in, you will always stay here and here is never a good place. Now we're talking about waves, but I want you to go a little bit further. It's not just waves, is it? 
I want you to think about how many people feel that they should go to a social, they should go to a party, they should go to be social. They kind of go, look at that guy over there, he's having so much fun. I wish I could just go and be natural and be relaxed. And they get there and between where they are and where they want to be, all they see is the giants. All they see is the stories they tell themselves of the things that can go wrong. How many times do you find people not just like that? What about public speaking? Who likes public speaking? Who thinks, I would love to public speak, I've got so much to say, all the women said amen, moving on. (laughs) It's real thin ice up here sometimes, real thin ice. How many people think, I'd love to go out, I'd love to have the confidence and the courage to public speak, but between there and between here, there's not just two steps, is there? Between there and between here, there are giants that stand in your way, is that right? What about going to finish school? What about failing an exam? How many people got to their exams and were so petrified of failing that they didn't even give it 100%? How many people were petrified of not succeeding so they didn't give themselves 100%? That, maybe that was just me. What about getting married? What about starting a new job? I want you to try and take as many things this morning because this isn't just my story. It's not just a story from the Israelites. It is our story. Every one of us has an area in our life that we feel God is calling us to something bigger, God is calling us to something better, and if I push past, I'm going to get there, but I am petrified of the giants. I'm petrified of the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. And we've been spending time, we've been going through the Word, we've been looking at the Israelites. One solution I heard from Jamie a little while ago was real simple, you'll really like this. What you do is you get a piece of paper, you write on the piece of paper, stress, anxiety, fear. You just write that down on that piece of paper, right? And I can show you how to totally get rid of stress, anxiety, and fear. Who wants to know how to get rid of it? 100%. Ready? On the other, yep, Brett, Brett's already got it. He's writing it and you throw it away. Yep. Except on the other side of that piece of paper, as Jamie said, is the words, anything new. See, because the minute you throw away stress, anxiety, and fear, you throw away any opportunity to do something new. It's the unknown that frightens us, isn't it? It's that taking that step of faith that just frightens the bejeebas out of us. That's what I want to deal with today. I want to look at this this morning because I think this plays out in every single person. Who's ever felt to pray for someone? Put your hand up. Have you ever felt, you felt, man, I should just go and pray for that person. Now I want you to put your hand up again if you didn't do it because you were worried about what they would say. Who's ever felt like, man, I've got a word of encouragement. I just want to share it with somebody. I want to encourage somebody. And then you're not sure what they're going to do. So you just pull back a little bit. How many people literally live in the safe zone or what they consider the safe zone? I want to tell you, it's that zone though where you keep getting pummeled by the breakers and by the waves. We've got to push beyond. Everyone say, push past the giants. Come on, let's do it one more time. Everyone say, push past the giants. One more time, ready? Push past the giants. One more, push past the giants. I want to talk to you about pushing past the giants. And it's why I love the word, because when we see the word, we see the Israelites. When we see the Israelites, we realize they had to do the exact same thing that we're going to talk about today. Remember the story really fast. Remember, Moses comes to the promised land. He sends out 12 spies. 12 spies go out. 12 spies come back. Two have seen good things. 10 have seen bad things. Two see opportunities. 10 see obstacles. Two see possibilities. 10 see problems. They spread a bad report. The whole group of Israelites stay there. Wouldn't it be cool? Ready? Here you go. Do you know how one of the first things you do to push past the giants? It's going to be really cool. You'll love this. 
adjust your expectations. You know why we get stuck? Because we don't expect to have a problem. And when we do have a problem, because we weren't expecting it, we don't know what to do with it. So this is really cool. Today, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a problem. Just adjust your expectation. Realize that from where you are to where you want to be, there's going to be a giant. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be an issue. If you don't think there's going to be an issue, there's an issue. Because whenever you want to take on something new, there's going to be fear, stress, and anxiety that are going to raise up and do everything they can to stop you entering what God has for you. And if you're not expecting it, you're intimidated by it. So I'm telling you already there are going to be giants. Now I'm going to do one more thing and go, the giants are in your head, not under your bed. All right, so who wants to know how to push past the giants? I'm going to tell you how the Israelites did it. It's such a cool story. The Israelites come back and they read this scripture out to Moses. They say, Numbers 13, 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites. The Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea. There are five giants. Everyone say five giants. There are seven, but I'm going to come back to that next week because you're only going to get one of them today. There's the Amalekites. Well, let's do it. You ready? Hold up your hands. Ready? Go. Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Canaanites. Can we turn the gain down or something? I wonder what they had expected. Like when Moses sent them out, I wonder what they expected. They, they turned up. I wonder, did they think, like, we're going to just stroll on into this promised land that God's promised us. It's going to be so amazing. When we get there, it's just going to be absolutely fantastic. They're all little knee-high midgets. And we're just going to shove them out of the way and stroll on in. Isn't that, can you follow me this morning? And suddenly they're faced with giants and those giants frighten them. Because that's what giants do. And we're looking today and we're going, well, we don't see the giants. No, we don't see the physical giants, okay? But we 100% face the metaphorical giants. 100%, whenever you go to do something new, you will face a giant. The first giant I want to talk to you about this morning, before we go into any of the others, the first one I want to talk to you about is the Amalekites. The first giant they faced when they came out of Egypt towards the promised land with the Amalekites. And we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 17. It says as they're coming out of Egypt, they've just gone through. They've seen the water come out of the rock. It's going to be fantastic. They've seen God working miracles. And that says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Standing on the plains between the promised land and where Israelites were, or Israel was, whichever way you prefer, were the Amalekites. Unprovoked, they walked out and decided to begin to go to war with the Israelites. They're heading in a certain direction and the Amalekites rise up and go to war. Do you know what the word for Amalekite is? Doubt. If you were to go into the Hebrew and you were going to pull it apart a bit, you would find that the word for Amalekites is doubt. It's cynicism. 
It's that doubt and cynicism that screams, you aren't good enough. We don't fight Amalekites out there. We fight Amalekites here. We make a decision we're going to do what God's called us to do. And how many times do we take that first step of faith, that timid step of faith? How many times do we just make that first decision and immediately the Amalekite within rises up and says, you can't do it. You won't make it. I am going to destroy you. You are going to fail. You are not going to succeed at this. It's the voice of doubt and cynicism. We don't face the giants like they saw, but we absolutely face giants. And if we don't recognize that giants are going to come, then when they come, we're shocked. And when they come, we stand still because we don't know what to do. But if we recognize that the minute you make a decision, the Amalekites are going to come. The minute you decide, I'm going to Bible college, Amalekites are coming. The minute you decide, I'm going to start a new business, the Amalekites are coming. The minute you decide, I'm going to get married, the Amalekites are coming. The minute you decide, I'm going to do something new, guess who's coming? Everyone say it. The Amalekites. And what do Amalekites mean? They mean doubt and cynicism. The minute you say, I'm going to do something, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to pray for somebody, I look over and you see somebody in need, you see somebody in trouble, you think, man, I'm going to go over to my neighbor and offer to pray for them, and you almost start to walk out through your front door, and then the Amalekites come straight into your head, don't they? They come out from under your bed, they come straight into your head, and they start going, who do you think you are? What do you think your neighbor's going to say? Do you think the neighbor's going to care what you've got to say? Have you got some theological training? Have you done some counseling course? Do you have anything good to say to that neighbor? How many people find that Amalekite so intimidating, so afraid of them that they just pull back and go and sit? We did the whole thing at the beginning of the sermon series. Metaphorically, how many people just find themselves, cover themselves back up with the blankets? God did not call you out of Egypt, out of sin, out of slavery, out of bondage so that you can come and sit in a church. He called you to inherit the promised land. He called you out of and into, but so many Christians only ever get out of. And then we just rehearse the story. Oh, it's so amazing. You would not believe what God did back there. Back there, God took me through the waters. He parted them. Back there, God destroyed my enemies. You would not believe it. Back there, God supernaturally fed me. I needed food. He supernaturally fed me. I needed a drink. He gave me drink. It's just amazing. My God is absolutely wonderful. And we all go, yay, yay, yay. What are you doing today? Oh, nothing, because the giants scare me. The doubt and the cynicism that come up every time I think I'm going to go to Bible college. You know what? How many? I don't want you to put your hand up, but I know enough and I'm not looking at anybody. I know enough to know people have been called to Bible college and still aren't going. Why? Because doubt and cynicism come into their mind. I know people that have negotiated, you know, like I tried to do when God first called me to Bible college, like I'm, I'm going to Bible college and he says, I want you to go. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I am yours and you are mine. And the next thought into my head is how are you going to afford that? And so what do I do? I make this deal with myself. Anyone else negotiate with themselves? You know what? I won't go full-time because that'll cost a lot of money. I've got a wife. I've got a mortgage. I can't afford full-time Bible college. I'll go part-time. Anyone done that sort of thing? Done that negotiation with God? Like I'll just kind of, you know, like sort of make him happy but not happy at the same time, but it'll be okay because I'm at least taking it. And so I went part-time. It was so cool. 1999, I went to Bible college part-time. Every Thursday night, I faithfully attended Bible college. It was brilliant. In November 1999, my son was born. In December 1999, God said, I want you to go to Bible college. I went, I just went. Anyone done this? He's like, no, 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 I need you to go full time. 
<laughs> you thought I had problems before. Like before I only had a wife and a mortgage. Now I've got a wife, a mortgage and a son. Do you know by the time I was obedient, it was 2001? I had a wife, a mortgage, a son and a daughter on the way. You know, when we delay stepping out and doing what God asks us to do, things don't get better. You know, when the Israelites, I kind of wonder about this, you know, when, when God first called the Israelites to go in and possess the promised land, do you wonder maybe there was just a few giants and, and it was like going to be okay, but 40 years later, those giants, did they get bigger or smaller? Did, did they get stronger or weaker? I want you to take it for a second. When you decide to delay something, does a giant in your head get bigger or smaller? Does it get stronger or weaker? If you decide not to be obedient today, tomorrow doesn't get any easier. You're going to keep, oh no, just tomorrow will be much better. It's not. It won't be. Those giants don't get easier. You have to decide. You know when God told them to possess the promised land? Do you know what he said to him? He said, I want you to go in. I want you to kill all of them. Now, now take out the fact we're not arguing over the morals of this, okay? We're saying, what if we applied that scripture literally to our lives? What if when he said, I want you to go in and possess the promised land, you are going to have to fully, completely defeat doubt? You cannot make a covenant with it. You can't make an agreement with it. You can't make a handshake agreement that maybe today you'll let me go through tomorrow. You've got to kill it from the ground up. Done. But most Christians don't. Most people are happy to play it safe. Most people are happy to stand on the shores and think, he tells me it's better out there. But I've never been. And all I know is that between me and him is the waves. God tells me it's better over into the promised land, but I've, I've never been. And all I know is that between me and where God's calling me to be is doubt. Can I just give you one more for free? I'm going to recap this next week. But you know what the Hittites mean? Fear. Fear. Strong fear that comes up. Oh, there's a whole heap of them. I'm just going to give you Amalekites. They... They were the ones that they first had to fight. You know the first thing you're going to have to fight and destroy is kill doubt. And you've got to kill it. So how did Moses do it? He said to Joshua, I want you to go out and I want you to fight it. You know what a lot of Christians do? They do this. Yeah, okay. Just going to sit here. Dear Lord, just help me defeat doubt. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you that all the doubt would just leave my brain right now. Yep. Actually, you know what's even worse? That would actually be a step up, by the way, for many of you. Most people just think it. Can I do this for a second? You cannot fight thoughts with thoughts. You can try. You always lose. You cannot. Let me say that again for you. You cannot fight a thought with a thought. Because thoughts always win. And never the good ones. The Amalekites that reside in your mind, they always have victory when you try and think them out. Anyone ever tried to think themselves out of doubt? Doesn't work, does it? So what do you say to do? I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to gather. I know I'm walking in front of there. I'm not, so thank you. I want you to gather the army. I want you to take the step. I want you to go out and I want you to gather yourself up and go and fight it. And what did Moses do? Ah, come on, this is fun. I'm going to go on top of the mountain and I'm going to lift my hands to God. 
and I'm going to focus on him. And the Bible says that while ever Moses' hands were raised, and can I add, and his focus was on God, the Amalekites began to lose. And when he grew weary and his arms felt heavy and his focus wasn't, then the battle went in the way of doubt. Can you see that? When he was focused on God, when he lifted his hands, when he began, can I say it like this, when he began to praise him, when he began to worship him, the battle went to the Israelites. When he began to get weary and lift his hands, how many people start well and then get weary? How many people get out and start that fight of faith? I'm going to do this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They start well and then they grow weary. I'm going to give you the secret of success. Please hear my heart today. I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker. I actually want to go, when you put your faith in the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God, when you put your faith in the God who called you out of Egypt and he's going to call you into the promised land, when you put your faith in that, doubt has no place in your mind. But don't try and think it. Begin to speak it out. I can't tell you. And, and do you know why we don't do it? Can I give you that? Do you know why we don't do it? Because how many people feel silly? doing this. Father, I thank you that you have called me into a promised land. Father, I thank you that if you said I'm going to have a good marriage, I'm going to have a good marriage. God, I give you praise and honor and glory. Father, I thank you if you call on me to a business, then I'm going to be successful in business. Father, I give you the praise and the honor and the goodness right now. I thank you that you are for me and not against me, that I'm the head and not the tail. Thank you, Lord, that you're there. Father, I thank you that if you're calling me to succeed in school, you're going to give me the wisdom. I've already put the time into study and now, God, I'm believing that you're going to give the questions that are going to come back to my mind. Thank you father but you know what we don't do it because that feels weird doesn't it wait is it just me who it feels weird for seriously one time I remember feeling afraid feeling timid and so I decided you know what I believe this and so I am going to walk around I'm on the beach I could even tell you where I'm on the beach down at Cabarita near the rocky end and I'm walking around my hands are like this and I like to pace and I'm just pacing back and forwards not for the camera people because they hate that but and I'm just pacing backwards and forwards and after about 30 minutes literally I'm praising God I am literally building myself up in my most holy faith I am feeling stronger I'm feeling like there is not a giant of doubt that can come anywhere near me and I am praising God and faith is rising in my heart and I'm feeling fantastic and I turn around I notice there's a whole heap of people now have joined me on the beach and I'm looking at myself thinking I'm a fairly big guy I'm pretty hairy I'm not the most you know like pleasing to the eye and and I'm talking out loud because I'm not just thinking and I'm thinking to myself I bet you there's a whole bunch of people that said to their kids Johnny this way come over here (laughs) there's a big hairy crazy guy over there talking to himself with his arms in the air I don't care Do you know what? We are so worried about what they think that we don't possess the promised land. We are so worried about whether we'll look silly that we don't possess the promised land. What if we just decided, I don't care how I look. When my wife was pregnant with Samuel, our firstborn child, I had months of just those. Anyone else ever had this negative thought? Negative thought after negative thought, doubt after doubt, fear after fear, just entering your head, entering your head, telling you your son's going to be funny. He's not that funny. He came up all right. But I can't tell you how many times I walked around the outside of my house with my hands in the air. Father, I thank you your word says that the fruit of her womb will be blessed. Father, I thank you that I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. God, I thank you that my child will be born healthy. Father, I thank you he'll be blessed. Father, I thank you he'll worship you. Father, I thank you he'll know your name. God, I just bless you right now. Father, I praise you right now. Father, I thank you that you have victory over any enemy that assails my mind. Can you get this? Why don't we do it? I don't want to look silly. 
I don't, you know, what if I do it and it doesn't work? What if you do it and it does? Can you? Please don't make this like the praise jar. Too many people are stuck telling stories about the past. The question is, what are you doing today? Too many people have forgotten that there's a promised land, a land of rest and peace and blessing to enter. But before you enter it, you will 100% have to deal with a giant. This morning, before Jamie comes, I'm going to invite Jamie in a minute to come and lead us around the table. I just want to take, can we just take a few minutes? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? This is not between you and Pastor Phil. This is not between you and your husband or, or your wife or anybody else. This is just between you and God. What is he calling you to do? Who is he calling you to be? Can I ask that again? What is he calling you to do? What's he put on your heart? Who's he calling you to be? Who's he calling you to become? What would it look like if you began like Moses to stand on the hill and lift your hands and declare, my God is able. My God is able. Doubt and fear and worry and anxiety and stress must bow their knee to the name of Jesus. My God is able. If my God can bring me to it, my God will bring me through it. Father, I believe you're able. I believe you're more than able. What would it look like if instead of speaking a bad report, you began to speak out a good report? What would it look like if you lifted your hands in total surrender to God and said, Jesus, when I, when I left Egypt, I'm a dead person. My life was over before it even began. God, when I stepped out of Egypt, I was baptized into something new. I came through the sea and I was baptized into you. And my old life is gone and it's hid with Christ. And I am believing that you are going to feed me and you are going to water me and you are going to give me the victory over the giants of this land. Father God, I pray today this message wouldn't just be something that sits on the surface of our life, but God, that it would penetrate. It would touch the very hearts and lives of your people. Father, I believe there are people here today called to minister. People here today called to lead connect groups lead departments, to raise up and to minister to the community around them. Father, give them boldness, give them confidence. Father, I pray that you would be bigger and bigger and doubt, the giants of doubt would be smaller and smaller in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.